You know I love a high-low moment. From the heart of New York City. Morning, people. It's Morning People with Preston Conrad. Yep, into it. And it all starts right now. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. Hey, you just jumped right in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you have been dying to say yes. I'm ready. Guys, I'm joined by um, a very special guest, uh, a good friend of mine, and fashion stylist, editorial stylist, Corey Kelly's in the house. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you? Oh, God. This is, I can see the way this is going already. I know. We're crazy. Wait, how does it feel to be in the podcast house? I don't know. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous because... And not nervous because, like, I'm scared, but, like, I've never really done this before. Well, guess what? You're here now. <laughs> um, you like my setup? You like my I studio? I do. I love the little logo. I love the whole thing. I don't mess around. We All keep I need it professional. All I need is a drink. I should have brought you a cocktail. Yeah, you I've should. got my um, Essentia water. This is not sponsored by Essentia. Um, and my emergency in there. Okay. Because, girl, we have to stay hydrated and healthy. Yes, you do. So, guys, Corey <laughs> is with me to talk about all things. Um, yes, he works in the fashion world, but we're going to get into in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to work on your own without having a corporate job, make it and thrive in a big city. <laughs> we're going to get into those things after the break, but we just wrapped up Fashion Week, girl. Girl. And <laughs> – <laughs> you sound tired from it. <laughs> I feel like Fashion Week has been going on forever for the past year. It has. <laughs> well, and also Fashion Week has gotten so extra in New York mm -hmm. because it is just like parties and parties and things and influencers yeah. and every single – what did you think overall of Fashion Week? Um, Because we're in Lon – now London now just finished? Now we're going finished. into London. So it's funny because all of the Fashion Weeks now – they so – I think the CFDA, they tried to break everything up. They tried to do just like a separate men's week, and then they tried to break that into its own little thing. And then now there's like women's fashion week, which is kind of like the main fashion week. Yeah. So the reason why I was saying that I think um, – I feel like I've been seeing fashion week a lot is because I've already seen like the men's shows, and now we're going into like the women's wear shows that feature men's wear as well. Um, but overall for fashion week, apparently they shortened it, but I felt like the shows this year were just very extra. <laughs> And they were so – I mean, so I don't the, know if the you the production guys, level. Yeah, it. the production – exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many of you guys follow different brand accounts that show at Fashion Week, but there was – you remember that thing I showed you the other mm -hmm. day that was saying, like, the retailers were happy because the clothes were kind of boring <laughs> because they're very commercial, <laughs> Especially right? for a New York Fashion Week, which is a very commercial – like, the clothes have to sell. They have to sell. Yeah. So there was a lot less drama in the actual clothing, but not less drama – in the production. No, girl. I there mean... was, like, choirs. <laughs> you choirs. There you was saw performances. Ralph's... Yeah, Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren. No, I'll, I'll, give it, I'll give it this much. Ralph Lauren was great because it was a whole, like, what do you call it? Like, the, the big band era, like, Cotton Club it was sort like, of vibe. Yeah, it was, like, this great Gatsby. Guys, Ralph Lauren did his show. Um, it was called Ralph's Club. Yeah. And he basically <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Set up this kind of like 1930s jazz club, mm -hmm. white linens, white tablecloths. I mean, it was like Janelle Monet performed. She turned it out. She, did you see her? She like collapsed <laughs> on the floor. Yes, she did, girl. <laughs> she did a great Doing job. Doing the most. You know, that was one of our first people at Ralph Lauren that I worked with was Janelle Monet. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Back in the day. Yes. She's amazing. No, she's really nice. I went to this um, event. Um, she just launched a Belvedere vodka. Belvedere Vodka. Oh, I saw you into um, that. Yeah, and she she hosted the event. She was really sweet. She signed everyone's, like, took pictures, signed everyone's autograph, like, that whole sort of thing. You were so much better than me at going to parties. Well, you know, I love a party. <laughs> girl, you go to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> Whoa, girl. 
don't you read me? No. no, listen. I think it's important, especially if you are working for yourself. Yeah. You're your own, whether you're a stylist, a consultant, an art director, a photographer. Mm-hmm. If you're invited to things, you, you have, gotta go. You have to go out. Don't you feel like that scene in New York is overwhelming but important? It's very important. Even like I get invited to like press previews events and stuff and like what people don't realize is like just as much as it's important for us to go it's important for the pr people as well because they have a job to do and Mm -hmm. they need people to fill in and come in and you know check out because it's like they have clients that they're representing so the clients are paying them for to get bodies in there bodies like (laughs) you know uh what do you call it bloggers and Mm -hmm. editors stylists all kinds of media types to come in and actually like learn about their you're so good at that you know what i mean but even for me i think it's just good because the industry is a so when you're styling or you know you have to build your connections especially if you're doing like editorial styling yeah because you really have to build those connections and people just have to know who you are it's a trust level thing. it is a trust level and it takes time too because sometimes you know you know, people change around like PR people. They're like changing different PR firms and that's every the thing second. Too. So you got to know like the right people who are like, even if they move around, they're going to go and start up at a new place and you just have to keep those connections going. It's all about connections at the end of the day. No matter what industry you're in, I think it's important now more than ever because yeah. everybody moves and is digital and whatever. Yeah. It's important to stay connected. Yeah. Keep, take people out to lunch, have coffee with people. Yeah. Go to the parties like you do. Go to the parties. You get a little turnt at the parties. You get a little torn. <laughs> you get a little torn at the parties. <laughs> but it's important. I mean, that's a big part of Fashion Week. A lot of people say, oh, I'm so tired of Fashion Week. Let's break it down. All these people that are saying that, yep. they're not going to all the shows. No, they're not. They're going to the parties. Exactly. And also, this is what a lot of people don't understand that don't work in fashion is that the shows are great, but the shows are just really like a marketing tool yeah, just to like pipe up the brand and everything. Because at the end of the day, the people who are really seeing the – because after – like before or after the show, you have your market appointments. And that's when you go into the showrooms and then the PR person and the designers actually walk you through the collection and you can see how it's actually broken down. Because you know how you like you'll see like a lot of these different shows and the shows are like over the top and out of control. And you're they like, don't girl, make, they don't make half of that stuff. You know that, yeah, right? Yeah, no, they don't. And you're just like, girl, who's wearing that? Ain't nobody wearing that. <laughs> but the thing is, it's it's all show. It's all kind of like to promote like the vibe, the energy that the designer of what the designer is going for. Mm-hmm. So when you go into a showroom and you do the market appointments, you actually get to touch and feel and see mm. how it's going to sell. You get to, you know, it's it's really up close and personal. Whereas a show is all about like, if you were to compare it like commercial and editorial, mm-hmm. the show is like very editorial. It's all about fantasy. It's all about getting you excited about storytelling, Sto- telling a story. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into the showroom, when you see it all broken down and it gets into the store, that's commercial. Like now you got to make money. You know who's the king at that besides Ralph Lauren lately, Tommy. Yes. He's been doing the most. Tom. <sighs> You Doing saw what he did this, this the week. most. Yes, he did. I mean, guys, Tommy Hilfiger, through um, he's working in collaboration with Zendaya, mm-hmm. and she designed a line mm-hmm. in conjunction. Apparently, she was very involved in this, which I love mm-hmm. in the actual like designing of the product. Mm-hmm. But it was Tommy X Zendaya or something, and they showed. I mean, that that was like a Hollywood. They showed at yeah. the Apollo Theater. They did this 1970s Harlem-inspired thing. I mean, there was cars on the set. There were like brownstone buildings. There were like a band playing. It was extra. It was extra. Also that night, so while the Tommy show was happening, every because it was kind of like the battle of the designers that night because – I know that Tommy showed at the Apollo, but Pyre Moss, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. I love Pyre Moss. Yes. So, you know, he's very political with his statements, especially about race and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because he showed at the King's Theater 
And it's this beautiful theater in Flatbush. This is actually where um, Kirby, the designer, that's where he's he, where mm. he was born and raised. And um, it was just like this beautiful show. But when I say it was over the top, I don't mean over the top in a bad way. It was actually a very powerful show. People were crying, believe it or not. I heard people were yes, crying. Yes, people were crying. Guys, was, fashion moves people. <laughs> Let's no, break it, it was, down. It was just a very powerful sh- show because – The statement. It was the statement he was making about like race and like – just like where we are right now in America. It was just, it was a really, really powerful show. But more importantly, and this is the thing you have to be careful with, I think, when you're a designer, is like you have to make that statement, but you also have to sell those clothes. <laughs> and the are the go- clothes cute? The gourmet has, has to sell. The gourmet has to sell. And let me tell you, I saw the gourmets, and the gourmets were great. They were beautiful. Like, if you're going to like really break it down, they were just a lot of wearable clothes. Like, I think I could be wrong. So this is, don't quote me. I don't want to get in trouble with anyone, but I feel like he's the creative director at, um, is it Reebok? He's at, he's a creative director right now at one of these athletic brands. We're going to have to look it up, but, um, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> we say this. Yeah. We're putting air quotes <laughs> Alle- in the words that. of Wendy Williams. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> no, but I know he's collaborating with an athletic brand. It's just not coming to the top of my head right now, right. but there were like pieces from that. Um, from that collaboration, I know that he did stuff with um, Sean John. People love him. There were Sean John collaborative pieces, and he also did these beautiful, like red carpet ready dresses, which were like gorgeous, gorgeous. <laughs> the gourmet, <laughs> the gourmet. Well, it's funny because what we are talking about commercial and not is so important. I think a lot of, even probably a lot of my listeners to this podcast think of Fashion Week as a thing. They see it in the movies, whether they see it on Instagram, the magazines, mm-hmm. but in the end of the day. It is about selling clothes. So, it has to so sell. the the fashion shows are to show a designer's point of view, show the clothing, and eventually get that clothing bought mm-hmm. and put into department stores. So I remember when yeah. we would when I worked for Bell Staff, we used to show in Milano, a ciao yes. bella, and I used to go to Milan. We would do the shows there, and then immediately I would have to convert the entire showroom, take all the samples off the models, yeah, convert them, take the pins out, everything, re undo mm-hmm. un- undo all the tailoring, and set up the showroom for buying appointments because yeah. we have Bergdorf. Goodman, we've had we'd have Barney's, we would yeah. have Neiman Marcus come in, and that's when you start to realize what pieces you're actually going to really mm-hmm. buy into and make because some retailers might hate half the stuff you showed. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like, and, there, and you're also using that one sample. What people don't also realize is like, there's one sample. So that <laughs> one sample that's in the show is the one sample that's in that buying appointment. It's the mm-hmm. one sample that goes to that celebrity um, client that you have. Like yeah. one sample traveling around the world. There is so much logistics with fashion. I mean, that one little dress that you that see one dress. an actress wear, you see it in a magazine, you yeah. see it on Instagram. It's a wacky world. But yeah. I'm glad you liked Fashion Week. I liked it this week. I liked it as well. I liked it. You know what it is? I think for me, Fashion Week, and I'm going to sound like kind of a snob because I grew up, I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure. Girl, we grew up fashion. near each other in Pennsylvania. Yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> and I was up in my. You know, my grand, my grandmother uh, and mom's house watching Fashion File when I was like in middle school oh, and high school. Fashion you remember file. Fashion File and Style with Elsa Clench and Video Fashion? Yes. And then Fashion Files with Tim Blanks. Mm-hmm. And oh my then, God. Whoa. You just threw it back. Yes. Tim I Blanks. lived for Tim Blanks a moment. <laughs> um, but no, I remember all those shows like Fashionably Loud. But I just remember, and this is the thing about now. Now fashion is more inclusive, which is a great thing. Um, but I remember the days when like fashion week was a little bit more exclusive and I don't even mean it like in a, in a bad way where it's like, you're not allowed to come and show up at the show or this party. It was just more like fashion was almost like really about fashion. And now I feel like it's completely different. It's more commercialized. It is, but it's also more, we have to look at the bright side of it too, because it's a lot more welcoming. 
It is fashion. more what, no, and it's I, very what, and, I, and that's the good thing. I like seeing the body positivity and the body diversity, racial, and, and racial, big time. Yes, and 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 the body, the body thing is major for me as, yeah. as that ex chubby kid from farmland. No, you huge, know, yes, huge thing. It's just that I feel like now you're you're seeing like a lot. It's just doesn't it seem like a little bit more commercial now though? It's a lot more commercial. I think it's more of a stunty thing than it yeah. ever was. The good thing I will say again, aside from the fact that it's diverse and a lot more welcoming, is that. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. Is that I feel like fashion used to be bitchy just for the point of being bitchy. Yeah, and there was no business for it to be so bitchy. No, because you're in an industry that's so creative and so fun, and it should be fun and welcoming yeah. and happy. And that's getting to be where it is now. But um, it was a good fashion week. I'm glad it's over. I'm not going to lie. Me too, girl. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, <laughs> girl, it's exhausting, guys. I want to take it to a quick commercial break, but when we come back, I want to talk to Corey about. How you got to New York? Because yes. every yes, honey, everybody yes. wants to know how all of us got here. So I want to. Are you ready, are, is, is, girl? I have the gift of gab. Are they ready for this? <laughs> well, they better be. Girl, but don't fall asleep. Let's let them rest up, and we'll be right back after this quick break. <laughs> okay, guys, I am going to let you in on a little secret on how I launched my podcast. It is all about Anchor. Anchor is a free podcasting platform packed with creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for free so it can be heard on all your favorite platforms from Spotify to Apple Podcasts to many, many more. Guys, you can also make money right from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we're back. That was that was quite the Girl. break to commercial. I just woke up. <laughs> you just woke up from your nap. You might have to take over this podcast for me because this is like your element. Girl, I'm living for this. I know. Yes. So before break, we teased that you were going to give us all the tea on how you got to New York City. Yes. If you guys can't tell, Corey's a character. <laughs> Let me just throw out there quickly. What's your Instagram handle? I have two Instagrams. I know I'm doing too much, but I have – okay. If you want to see which me, one would you like the kids to follow? The kids can follow Corey Joseph Kelly. Guys, that is Corey Joseph Kelly, K E L L Y. Yeah. And that's what that's an Instagram, Corey that's my Joseph Instagram. Kelly. And then they're styled by Corey Kelly if you want to see my professional stuff. Anyway, follow Corey so you can learn more, <laughs> more about this wild character Shade that I'm with. Turn. But give me the if you were to tell someone in like <laughs> six minutes oh, or Lord. less. Six minutes. How you got Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, how you got here? Okay, let's do it. Okay, how can I do it in six minutes? Okay, so basically, believe it or not, when I graduated from high school, I was like trying to decide if I was going to go to college. Where are you from? I'm from outside of Philadelphia. I was born in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Grew up in the western suburbs, prefer primarily in uh, Malvern, Paoli, and that's not far from me. Yeah, Chester County. We're Chester County Giles. Rep in Chester County. Yeah, and then I even lived. I lived like throughout the western suburbs, um, but that was like my main my mainstay. Um, and then when I graduated from high school, you know, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I always knew, and this is like the funny thing, <laughs> is that like I wanted to model, but like I wanted to do it because I felt like it was kind of a gateway into fashion. Because my mom actually, she works in, she worked in fashion for a very long time. My I mom didn't was a visualist. She was a uh, can't even talk right now. Visual display. Um, ah, that's where yeah, you get it. She did it. visual display. She did it for for Macy's. She did it for a lot of other like stores when I was younger and stuff. But that's. 
where all that creativity mm-hmm. kind of passed down to me, just like seeing her and stuff. And there was like always like fashion magazines. So I was just like really into that. And I was really inspired by like the models at the time. Cause you remember nowadays we have like celebrities, we have social media people that people look up to, but in fashion back in the day, it was all about the supermodels. The models. So like I live for a Naomi moment. <laughs> I live for a Giselle moment. And I think that kind of like, even though I'm a guy and like, you know, I'm not a, a like a female model. I was just like inspired by the models. Well, there's this sense of power of owning your own story. Yeah. Um, of course, the glamour, yeah. the travel, the fantasy. And uh, keep in mind, as two like probably closeted gay guys in the middle of yes, nowhere, girl. those <laughs> magazines were escapes for us. And it I is think an escape. The model was part of that. The model was like the star. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like you know, I so long short story long. <laughs> Um, I basically, you know, eventually moved to New York City. I saved up money because I was working. I actually got an agent. I was with an agency um, in Philadelphia. And then, you know, I was like... And you knew you wanted to move to New York? Yes. Me too. Girl, I just knew I wanted to move to New York when I went on that school trip. I was in, like, Drama Guild. Mm-hmm. And they so they took us to um, see... I think it was, like, Jekyll and Hyde. You being drama? Girl, I, I mean, I could Shocker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I think it was the year we went to go see Titanic, and that was an amazing show. I remember seeing that. But they took us there, and ever since I went on that trip, and I used to always go up and see, like, even my my aunt at one point lived in New York for a few years. Every time I came to New York, I always felt like it was home. It was weird. I always felt like this is where I need to be. You are probably the fourth guest that said that. Yeah, you just know. Yeah, you know. You just know. But then, like, you know, I moved to New York. Actually, this is when I met you. So the, I met you in, like, Probably 2006. It was like year two when I first moved to New York. Okay, City. maybe 2007 or so. Around it was the it, it was, was like a, early. It was 14 years ago. It was early, definitely, because yeah. I just saw the, it was 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when I so when I okay, I worked in retail on the side, and I remember eventually I started working at Ralph Lauren. Mm-hmm. So while I was doing the whole retail on the side thing, I was like trying to get an agent, a model agent. At one point, I was with Click Models for like two years and then my contract ended and then I was with like a different agency more of like a boutique agency at the time but I just remember with the modeling thing I was like you know what I know that I just want to stop like that's around the point where I was like oh I really want to work for a magazine when I started working so what you guys probably don't know is like you used to work at Ralph yeah. I don't know if people do know that yeah yeah they know I worked for Ralph Lauren forever yeah and, and I, I worked met at Ralph. Corey when I used to do the windows yes for um, uh, the New York stores one of my stores was the Bleecker Street store and that store was fear and that's where I met you you worked at that store yes and also tell the people the Bleecker <laughs> no I'm telling you right now the Bleecker Street windows they were turned they were turned out. I used to put motorcycles in those windows girl you I'd had put floodlights fl- I would put uh, candy shops in those. I I did those windows to the max. That's how I got into styling. And that's how I met you. And that's how we met our mutual. Well, your friend at the time that became my friend, David Scott, our mutual friend. And kind of, and I feel like that's when my life kind of just took off. But is that when you knew? So was it the, the modeling thing made you realize that you actually were just interested in the industry and in in clothing as a whole? Yes. Cause also too, the thing about modeling and I have a lot of respect for models. Cause that's a very, 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 very competitive. <laughs> no, it's like because it's like there is a talent to modeling, and that's what a lot of people don't know. But like, it really comes down to the look. But the talent comes in the way you're able to work the camera and work with people yeah. and really just come alive in front of a camera. And that's not an easy thing. At you know what all. I mean? I've seen so many people that are beautiful yeah, at and- castings that are like 
nothing there. And sometimes you're looking, or most times, you're looking for that spark, that something, that little mm-hmm. bit of magic that will sell your product, yeah. make your client happy, whatever it may be. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, this was like 14, 13 years ago. So I was like way younger. I was in my like early mid-20s. But eventually, I like you just said, I felt like I knew – like I'm in this for like the creative aspect. Like I want to be mm-hmm. behind the scenes. I want to make things come to life. I w- I'm in it for the fantasy and the style. Yep. So when we worked together, I actually got an internship because I met one of my clients at the time at Ralph Lauren. Mm-hmm. They, um, it's so funny. They they introduced me to one of their friends who actually um, worked at Men's Vogue. This is when Men's Vogue was around. Oh God, I remember Men's Vogue. And they introduced me to their friend. And I remember telling their friend, I was like, oh, my gosh, I really, 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 really want to work for Men's Vogue. That would be such an in for me. I would mm-hmm. like, I would, I would do it for free. I yeah. literally was like, I will do it for free. I know internships at the time don't pay. And I don't know what they pay now. But I got in. I'm giving like a very shortened story. No, I got in at Men's Vogue. Yeah. Worked at Men's Vogue. It was amazing. Um, it actually probably was like the best experience just because everybody was so nice. Was this one still was in Times Square? Four yep, Times Square? Yeah, four Times Square. I yep. remember I used to walk by Four Times Square and like like in my mind I would like manifest that. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I really – I want to work here. I want to work here. Because there was a moment where I didn't think I was going to get the internship. I wanted to do the same. I'd walk by that building and I was like, I'm going to work at GQ. I'm going to work at yeah. GQ. Yeah, and I would do it. And then eventually like finally I got in um, and I worked there – I'm like forgetting how long I even worked there. It was probably like almost. But that six. was your first kind of corporate yeah. fashion yeah. experience, yes. let's say. And then I worked at Condé Nast from – so after that, I worked for Candy Pratt's Price. I was her fashion research assistant. What was her famous – what was her funny line? September is the January of fashion. <laughs> September. That was from her reality <laughs> well, that, show, no, right? That, no, that was actually from the September issue. Oh, that was from the September issue. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. didn't she have a reality show? So Didn't she have a show on Bravo? No. no. No, 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 no. That's yeah. from I'm, – I'm confusing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm confusing people. But – but what people don't know, she did have – she was kind of a pioneer on the internet because she was the fashion director at Style.com at Got the time. Got it. Remember Style.com? Yes. She was and – I, and I worked for her as her fashion research assistant. She had a few assistants. I worked on her CandyCast um, project, oh which was that cartoon of her. Mm-hmm. And I basically had to research and find like, – because she would give me a theme, and I would have to find – all this content that played with the theme and I had to think very outside of the box and stuff like that. So that happened for maybe like another year or so. But at one point I got laid off because this is when like print is dead. Yeah. This is when that was happening and the recession was happening and I got laid off. But um, I, I worked. Didn't, I forgot about Candy Pratt's Price. Yeah. And then I worked at like the Wall Street Journal magazine under like with the fashion team there. I was like assisting them. I worked with different like fashion stylists. And then eventually I came back to Condé Nast mm-hmm. because Candy was looking for an assistant yep. and I worked at Vogue with her. So she worked as the creative director of Vogue.com and then I got to work with her for like almost I, – I, it was like under a year, but it was like almost a year I worked with her there. And then when my contract was up, um, I actually worked with the Fashion Night. You remember when Fashion Night Out was a thing? Yes. I got experience and I worked with the team there on that. But then I left, and this is the thing. At that point, it was like, you know what, Corey? You want to be a stylist, so you can't – you're getting all the experience at all these like places, mm-hmm. but you really need to focus. So that's when I um, I went out for a job to be an online stylist at Net-A-Porte. It's hard to – what you were saying just now, it's hard to get out of the – once you're in the vortex of like 
a magazine or corporate, you're kind of like always just being moved around. Yeah. And it takes a minute, no matter what industry you're in, guys. If, you, if you're if you an entry-level position in banking and you know you want to do something else, but you're kind of in this zone where you're comfortable and people like you, your bosses liked you, yeah. you were good at your job. But sometimes you have to step back and be like, you know what? What do I want? Correct. Yeah. We're... And you need to stop, reevaluate, and you have to either rip the Band-Aid off yeah. and decide to do what you want to do. Yeah. Or – you know, re repath. And it's the same thing too with Net-A-Porte. I worked at Net-A-Porte for four years as an online stylist. So I was basically on the team of stylists who, when you go on Net-A-Porte.com, you see all those beautiful looks on the landing page. And when you look at all the merchandise, there's a team, there's an American team, which is based in New York. Right now we, I, we used to be in Long Island city, but they moved us to Mawa, you know New Jersey. Yeah. You, you worked with them too. I've been out there before. Yeah. That's a long bus. Girl. Ride. <laughs> Girl. That's, that's 6 a.m. bus. <laughs> No. Girl, that's where I used to see Matt Man Freddy in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I, oh yeah, by the Port Authority. Yeah, because I would be walking to work at like the crack of dawn. But that that <laughs> that bus is just I can't. But it's a prime example of what you do for something you're passionate about. Yeah. So Guys, I did Mawa, that. New Jersey is far out of Manhattan. Beautiful town. Yeah. Far as hell. <laughs> but one of the most premier luxury yeah. shopping destinations yeah, yeah, yeah. is based there and you yeah. got to do what you got to do. And you know what? It was a really, really – so you know, like the first two years we were in Long Island City. Then the last two years I was in the Mawa office. And you know, even after that, that was just like a learning experience because I got the e-com side of styling because mm -hmm. that's a very technical thing. Yeah, There's creativity in that. And I feel like for me it was – you know, it definitely was time to move on because – I, you know, I felt like the editorial background that I had was like calling and calling. And I really wanted to just like be creative and like go back into like freelance. So I started freelancing after that. What is your, what is your take? Cause I've had different guests have different opinions on freelancing. Mm -hmm. How scared were you knowing that New York is expensive? It's tough to live here. Mm -hmm. What was your point of view of making the jump to freelance and not knowing when and where your next check would come? Um, it was, it's. I mean, for me, at the time, the money situation wasn't bad because I knew I already had something lined up. Yep. So I had like a money client, like an e-com client lined up. So I was like working with them directly after I left Net-A-Porte. That's was important. Good. That's important. And I think a lot of people, there's synergy and whatever all my other guests have said that before you make the jump, be smart. Have something lined up. You're not jumping to nothing. You want to jump to a little bit of a net, whether it's not big safety net or not. Yeah. Something. And can I also be honest? Like, yeah. this is like one of my like things that I was very self-conscious about, like insecure about was going back into freelance. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to make money. Like, what if like nothing comes through? Like, what if like, what am I going to do? I need to go like back into retail. Do I need yeah. to get like a part-time job? And I was worried because I worked in corporate for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what if like people that I worked with see me working at a store? Because basically get a part-time job in the midst I, of that. I did you know the what I mean? exact same stuff in my head, Corey. When I left, I was fashion director of American Eagle, $4 yeah. billion dollar brand. When I left to go out on my own, it got so scary for a minute. Yeah. I was I was prepared to work at Starbucks. <laughs> I remember you told me. Do, do you remember? I was gonna be like, Preston, you go work you at like a cute like a store, cute coffee, and you were like, you don't but have to no, work at like Starbucks. A, you can work at like a like you know, really like a luxury but brand or something. But you know, I w that's just an example of what you're saying. You cannot have so much ego that you are above doing what it takes to pursue your dream and make money and support yourself. And you know, you know who like who like whispered that in my ear was um. Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis was like, Corey, you have to get a part-time – like, just be smart about it. Like, yeah, you can rely on these clients, but since you're just starting out, get a part-time job. And listen, I have a part-time job, 
And I only work there on the weekends until like I get to a place where I feel confident. Because me, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like more so than most people or maybe mo- like people probably feel the same way. I'm always concerned about money. I'm just like, I don't want to be struggling. I, I want to have everybody, money. <laughs> everybody's always – look, I, money's important. Money talks, we listen. Yeah. And you do what you need to do. But what I love about you is is that you have an end – your dream and your goal – remains constant yeah you and just you focus move whatever decks you need to move yeah. to keep that going and you focus yeah and i'll be honest with you ever since i made those decisions i've been like my freelance has been turning out really well you know i've worked with a lot of different editorial clients and this is the other thing that here goes a secret that people don't know oh editorial does not pay <laughs> Okay, that's so for all of you who look at all these fabulous magazine spreads <laughs> and models. Oh, Corey, you're living a fabulous life. Girl, no, it does not pay. And it's no shade to the editorial world, but it's just like they just there's no budget. Now, what are your thoughts on working for free when you need to? Is it important? Should people so, do it? You tell me. Okay, so early in your career, and I'll just and I'll just answer your question regarding editorial editorial is kind of like a necessary evil now i know you and i have had different paths because different stylists you can take any path but if you really want to like because you you came from the brand so you already had like a book you had like american eagle campaigns in your book ralph campaigns in your book but for people who don't have that you need you need tear sheets yeah and you need to do it by shooting for a magazine and like a lot of style i think my advice is like to start small like start with like the mac because you're not going to get like the top magazines you got to work your way up but you got to do it it's a necessary evil and then there comes a place in time where you're like okay you know what i feel like i've built my book up enough and i'm going to be very selective in regards to what magazines what models what like you know you're going to get to a level where you're like you know what I can only do this because mm-hmm. I need to make money. Well, exactly. So, <laughs> so for a, you, you kind of have like in your mind, you're like, I'll work for free for X amount of time, yeah. knowing that it's going to actually pay off. Yeah. In the end. Yeah, and and I mean, you know what? It it's I'm not going to lie. Like, unless you come from like tons of money and you have like an income that's like a trust fund or something, like it, you can do editorials day and night, all day, all day, every day. But I mean, it is a necessary evil. Like you have to do it to, to some sort to some extent. Well, even I had Liliana Vasquez on from the Today Show. Yeah, she was telling me, you know, all the times, the years and years she put in to get on air. Yeah, uh, was morning show segments that were unpaid. Yeah, and it's important to pay your dues. You know, I think there is a lot with a younger generation that expect a lot right away no honey you no 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 no. like you because like for me think about it i started all over again like i started i worked at like these amazing publications i worked at vogue and i worked at you know yeah Connie Nass, and then i worked my way up and i was styling at a corporate um brand and then i walked away from that and then i started all over again by doing editorials and it was just like because in your mind you're like i don't have to do this right but you're I... like you got to do it What's the scare? <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. What's this? What was like? Because just hearing it in that nutshell brings it back. Like you did start all over again. Right? I did. I and was we're broke. Not, we're not 20 years old, right? I was broke. But you, you, you decided to do that because your passion yeah. overtook you. What was the scariest part of starting over? The, the one scariest part of resetting on a new part of your career? It's just like the money. Yeah. I'll be honest. Like, yeah. even though I said that I started and I had a client, like at one point that client, you know, and this is the fear that most people have as a freelancer is like that client that's paying you all the time and using you at some point, some clients, 
just like kind of dry up a little bit yeah. and like things change and you're like oh snap like <laughs> yeah almost there <laughs> yeah but you always you could we swear on this podcast oh, okay you, do, you could like, say oh shit, oh, shit. <laughs> that's no okay. i was like i was like oh my gosh like what am i gonna do and that's when the whole like part-time job thing came because i was like you know what i'm focused on what i'm doing but i also know that there's going to be clients that you know to build my portfolio especially and you'll work and this is my thing you'll work for free for like the right clients you know exactly but there comes a time when you have to stand up for yourself and be like, you know what? I deserve to get paid because this is what people don't also don't notice. You're doing all this stuff on your own budget. You do like these shoots for these magazines. Like they're not paying you anything. And you, the photographer, yeah, you lose money because you're investing. You're literally investing in like Mm -hmm. the spread for like, it's, you're all in it together and you're trying to create beautiful imagery that you can put into your portfolio. And you're hoping that that is going to come back. In a well, way. It's funny because weirdly enough, Instagrammers do that now. They spend their own money yeah. to get a good picture yeah. for their feed that hopefully will get them a like paid a buzz. gig yeah, or yeah. buzz, right? So they'll fly themselves to Paris and shoot all these photos yeah. in hopes of landing a deal with Delta to do paid stuff down yeah, the road. Yeah. So it's very similar. It's, it's very it's similar. An investment. It's an investment that you have to really weigh out and net out. Do you have the money? Can you spend the money? Do you really feel like it's time to invest in yourself? Yeah, and it's like and like and that's that's where it comes in where you're like, do you really want to do this? Totally. So for people listening that maybe they don't work in fashion like we do, mm-hmm. or they they work in some other completely different field, but they want to go off on their own, do you have like three Oh Lord oh, girl? This is <laughs> she oh, she's here's, trying, here's dateline. <laughs> she's trying to pull a dateline on me. Barbara Walters, where are you at? Diane up in the house, girl. <laughs> Do you have? Let I won't even say three. A couple firm <laughs> pieces of advice okay. for someone to thrive in a job that's not a corporate job, like whether that's like money, calendar, going to work every day, doing this, what something that would make make it work. Well, you have to be focused. Like you have to know what the end result. You have to like have. The thing I, I always say there's like an end goal, but there's really not an end goal. You just have to be focused on like what it is you're trying to accomplish. Like for me, it's like where do you want to be in your career? Mm-hmm. If and is your question too in regards to someone that wants to break into fashion or just it could be any yeah fashion they want to maybe they want to start their own um, brownie line or whatever maybe you, you know you like you got to be focused. You yeah. really have to be focused and you have to really believe in it mm-hmm. because you can't take it lightly, especially if it's like if if this is like a way of making a living. Like you. The truth is this, like, yeah, the money is very important, but you really do have to be like super passionate about it. Yeah. I think passion is number one. You have to be super passionate. You have to be ready. Yeah. To, you know, not be embarrassed when you talk to strangers about what you do. Yeah. To go without money for a little bit, to go like you have, your passion has to be so strong that you would do anything for it, right? Yeah. yeah. You you really do. Okay. So and you're passion, sacrificing. Passion you think is like a number one. Passion is number one because if you're not passionate about it and if it doesn't bring you happiness, because let me tell you something, when you're doing these like shoots, especially when you're doing editorials, oh. honey, you are lugging samples around. A lot of people <laughs> think it's so glamorous. It is not glamorous. You're like, how many times I've thrown my back out just for <laughs> at work because I am far too old to be tying people's shoes and shoving <laughs> socks on models <laughs> like honestly like that to me is like most of the job most of the job is like 
the politics of like pulling it together mm-hmm. and like lugging samples around. You like the the smallest part of it, which is like what people think is the biggest part of it, is like when you actually do the shoot. And even when you're doing the shoot, it's just like you're running around and you're doing everything. That's barely part of it. Yeah, the real stuff is the haul and the schlepping, the boxing, yeah. the taping. The you, that's most of it. <laughs> the other night, guys, we had a um, Corey worked with me <laughs> for my client um, who is going to the Venice Film Festival, and we got a bunch of stuff sent back to the house. It was so beautifully sent, everything, but we have to get everything back yeah. to the brands. You and I had destroyed that living room. We had, we had this gotta go here. This everywhere, gotta go there. Gotta go there. Everywhere. <laughs> Guys, it's like basically working in fashion, even at my level. It's being a factory lo- a factory worker. Correct. <laughs> and working at FedEx. <laughs> and you and you know what's funny? I've actually seen the FedEx that's near us. I've seen stylists no. at that FedEx. Because you, you, you run into people, you're like, oh girl, you 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 dropping this off too. If I saw a stylist there, I'd say you poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say. But, you know, with all that said and done, I, I, I really do enjoy it. So I really passion. Do. Passion number yeah. one. Anything else that, like, would follow that up? Like, I'm going to leave my job, do my own thing, sell my own food line, whatever it may be. Any other thing besides I, – I mean, I would say – be smart about money. Whether, well, whether I was have a say, little bit of savings, have a little bit of at least forecasting of where you're going to get your get next part time. Maybe job, it is Starbucks. Have a little maybe side hustle. A side hustle, yeah, yeah. You need you need some money. And I was going to say money again, but I felt like with, I've said it like a few times. Like, I just keep repeating myself, but like well, I think money is more very about, important. Let's let's bucket it as being smart and knowing yeah. your next moves. Maybe that's where you need to live. Maybe that is um, not eating out all the time. Maybe that's getting a roommate. There's a lot of different yeah. ways to be smart. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that separate, you know, second to passion is like pretty important. Yeah. No, you have. Yeah. You, you need you need the money. <laughs> but you, <laughs> you need but you, the but money. You, you do. But you also need the passion. Like, do you, are you like after when you when you get that fashion spread that comes out that you styled and you see what it looks so like. Beautiful. And you'll be like, oh, my gosh, girl. I do did you that. remember <laughs> what we went through to get that? Girl. <laughs> That's like my friends that have like have businesses that are now in Whole Foods or whatever. They're like, do you remember the time? Like, it, the blood, sweat, equity is important. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you have memories from it and everything, but it's it's hard. It's hard work. But like I said, you have to be very passionate about it. Because we you... know you're passionate. <laughs> Girl. Wait, before we go, I have to tell everybody about the spooky wood I gave you. Oh, <laughs> honey. Let's talk about that. First of all, that sounds dirty, the spooky wood. <laughs> but so, guys, the other night, Corey came over to my house to help me get rid of some of these samples <laughs> to send back to these brands. And what what do you have? You have a haunting going on in your apartment. So this is the thing. I I don't want to say I don't want to put it out there because I'm a, I'm not gonna lie. I'm one of those people. I'm super scary. Like I don't You're like superstitious. I am very superstitious. I went to an astrologer recently. I think I told you the story. Mm-hmm. The psychic, not the psychic, the astrologer. She looked at my birth chart and she said that I have untapped psychic abilities. And I was like, girl, oh my lord. That's I don't want to be seeing premonitions. I'm not trying to go through all this. Waking <laughs> up at night. But long story short, I had a situation that, and, I, and to everyone out there, I'm not saying I'm psychic. I have very strong <laughs> intuition. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm psychic, but whatever. Anyway, I was laying in bed and this has happened a few times in my apartment. I've been in that apartment for 10 years and it's happened a few times where I'm laying in my bed and the bed is vibrating. Like there's almost like energy or a spirit is like in the bed and it's just shaking the bed. And it's not like a crazy shaking, like uncontrollable. It's like a, it's almost like your phone is vibrating and it's just buzzing and your headboard is like, cl- and just- yeah. And I swear to God, I'm like sitting there and I'm like, 
what the hell is going on? And Preston, you were like, girl, you're supposed to talk to the spirit and tell it to stop. I was like, Preston, if I tell this spirit to stop and it stops, I am moving out of the apartment. My roommate is going to pay for that rent. I'm out. Because you said if if I talk and someone responds, I'm out. I'm out because I don't want it to be a spirit. I want it to be something. So anyway, I think I think there's something like under my building. There's like a like a pipe. There's so, something I, there. We know it's not really spooky, but guys, honey, I have this crazy honey. obsession with Palo Santo. Oh yeah, so get to yeah, that's yeah. What you're so gonna, yeah, that's what yeah. So going Corey's for. telling me this story. I have this crazy obsession with Palo Santo, which, if you guys don't know, it is this wood that uh, I guess has a long history <laughs> of being a cleansing abilities and calming and spiritually healing whatever it may be so i keep palo santo in my apartment i light it with a lighter and (laughs) i burn it around my house and i wish out bad things and i bring in positive energy so i gave Corey a stick and he said girl you better not trick me with your spooky (laughs) yeah don't be having bringing like evil spirits with this palo santo what is it palo 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 santo so i basically went home my roommate was looking at me like I was crazy. I had smoke and Palo Santo smoke. All I was like, I rebuke these spirits. Get out of my house in the name of Jesus. I was not playing. I was Girl, like, this is not the exorcism Girl, of Emily Rose. Well, you know what? I was done. Well, did she go? She better have. She ain't paying rent. <laughs> Be gone, ghost. Be gone, ghost. Be gone. Oh my god. This but you is... know, I did. I followed your advice though. But I also, while I was like, you know, get out bad spirits if there are any spirits. I was like, I'm bringing in positive energy. I'm bringing mm-hmm. like optimism, positivity. I went, you know, blah 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 blah. You know, I went down that whole list. But yeah, girl, I wasn't playing. I was like really freaking out. Well, next time I'm bringing you crystals from my crystal guy, girl, because you know I keep my crystals in that little dish, and I cleanse them on the new moon. I put him outside. You're more. You know what? I'm See, a witch. I thought I was still. All my friends call me a witch because I'm super into astrology <laughs> and I'm into all that stuff. And I, I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm definitely into it, but I'm not like like in depth in it. But anyway. You're more witchy than me. I got a little witchy poo in me, girl. A little witchy. I didn't realize it about you. Well, next time we get together here at the podcast, I'll bring you some. But look, I'm going to tell you right now, don't be playing with no Ouija boards, because, hunty, (laughs) you know that in every horror movie, when the Ouija board comes out, that's when them demons and shit come out. (laughs) We are not playing with no... So, that says witchy. The witch stops there. (laughs) The witch stops here. Oh, my God. Corey, I can't. That was perfect timing because we're right at our yes! time to exit. Guys, I want to thank my guest, Corey. <laughs> Clearly, you're coming back for more episodes. Oh Guys, Corey, tell everybody your Instagram handle again. It's Corey Joseph Kelly. C O R E Y J O S H. Oh, wait, I can't even spell my own name. Corey Joseph Kelly. Yeah, just about that. Yeah, it's styled by Corey Kelly. It's styled by Corey Kelly's other one. He is <laughs> clearly. <laughs> A boatload of fun. Corey, thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This of is so course. fun. Of course. Guys, as always, DM me your questions. Email me at morningpeoplewithpreston at gmail.com. I will talk to you guys soon. And in the meantime, stay stylish. Boy, boy.